race is long. It's lap after lap of man and machine pushing to be the best. And every driver will tell you that you can't win a race on just gas and goes. But if you want to win, you better make time for the occasional four-tire pit. When you're on the track, all you can worry about is the track in front and the drivers around you trying to bump, rub, and generally knock you out of the race. All that racing takes a toll on you and your vehicle. Tires wear out, gas runs low, transmissions get clunky. You have to make a pit stop to recharge, refuel, or reset. Knowing when to take a pit stop or slow down is just as important as knowing when to go fast. The ride ain't gonna hold up forever and neither will you. You can't run it or yourself into the ground. You've gotta use your pit stops. Well, hello, Heritage. I want to welcome everybody across our network to the final week of Off to the Races. If you're just now joining the conversation, I want to let you know that we've been engaging in a conversation around NASCAR racing as a metaphor to help us understand how we run the races of life and win. Win at work, win at home, and win in our relationships. And it's been a pretty impactful journey to this point. In fact, we started the conversation around understanding that we want to make the most of every lap. We want to make every lap count, because every lap does count. In racing, it often looks like just people going around in circles as fast as they can, kind of pointlessly. And, and life can sometimes feel that way. But in racing and in life, there's more to each lap, and each lap does count. After that, we spent a little bit of time looking at our need to be first to the line. That we want to race to win. We want to finish well. We want to understand what the right finish line is and what we're really racing for. We want to be first to the line. Then it was two weeks ago, we spent a little bit of time getting under the hood to understand our source of power and our cooling systems in life. Because speed adds heat. And we need to know how to handle that to stay in the race. And then it was last weekend that Pastor Jeremiah helped us look at understanding the importance of working with our crew, working with our crew. And if you've missed the conversation to this point, I want you to know you can find them online at heritageqc.com under the media section. But today, I want to shift gears back to understanding the fastest way around a racetrack. You see, the fastest way around a racetrack is not to run full speed all the time, but to actually have a combination of accelerating and braking, speeding up and slowing down. One without the other leads to crashes and burnout, or if we ride the brake the whole time, we end up positioning ourselves to lose and never win. And sometimes in the race of life, I think we get to a point where we wonder if we actually can win in life. If we can win at work and, and win at home. But God created us to win. He created you to win. Jesus described it as life abundant or life to the full. He, it's, he's talking about flourishing. And you're created to live a life that wins. Yet this world and its complexity can beat us up. It can suck energy from us and drag us down. And we can get to a point where we feel like, man, I don't even know if it's possible to win anymore. But I want to tell you it is. And you can. And today I want to talk about how. And I think it goes back to understanding the fastest way around the racetrack. The fastest way to navigate the course, the race of life. And it is a combination of accelerating and braking 
but also stopping. It's knowing when to push hard. It's knowing when to ease up, but also when to pause. It's knowing when to speed up and when to slow down, but also when to stop. If you want to win the race, you've got to make time for stops. Now, that can feel and seem counterintuitive, that you need to stop in order to win, but it's actually true. In racing, racing takes a toll on the driver and the vehicle. Tires wear out, fuel runs low, and the engine and tranny does need some adjustment to stay in the race, but none of that can take place on the track. It only takes place at a stop. We refit and we refuel and we recharge in the stops. So if we're going to run a race and win, we actually need to understand a principle that's, that, that stepping up requires stepping out. That's your first feeling if you want to use your note guide today as we study the word together. Stepping up requires stepping out. It requires stepping what? Stepping out. Again, that can seem counterintuitive, but if we want to stay in the race, we need to know and understand how to step out of the race. It's true in racing, and it's true in life. Continuing depends on stopping. Pressing on requires pausing. And knowing when to slow down and when to stop are just as important as knowing when to speed up. To stay in the race requires making time for stops. And in NASCAR, NASCAR drivers, they get a 12-second break every hour. It's very generous. 12-second break every hour. And we talked a few weeks ago, week three, we talked about cooling systems and how speed adds heat. And we look specifically at what God says about the stopping and about pausing in Isaiah chapter 30. Take a look at this. He says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. In a way, God is saying, if you run a race and win, you got to occasionally stop. And failure to stop is always problematic. Stepping up, stepping up to win requires stepping out. It's essential. And in auto racing, that stepping out moment is done in the pit stop. It's done in the pit stop. When a NASCAR driver pulls down pit row and they stop, a number of things happen in that space. And the goal is to be getting it done in 12 seconds or less in NASCAR. It's actually 8 seconds or less in IndyCar racing. But a lot happens in that space. Yet you and I understand that pitting is not quitting. Pitting is actually providing. It's a space where we get new tires and get fueled up and there's repair and there's driver support. A lot happens in that pitting moment. Pitting is not quitting. It's actually the place where we stop and we pause to get what we need to be able to stay in the race. To, to be refueled and to be refitted and, and to have the strength to continue on in the race. We all know that, that pitting is not quitting. And, and I think we get the idea that it's essential for staying in the race. But even when we know that, we can fail to do it. In fact, when we think about pit stops, some people pit well and others don't. Some people pit on time and some people pit late. Some people pit properly and some people pit poorly. Like this driver in this particular race. He has come in down pit row and he has struck his tire guy, his lift guy, the jack and the tire are in the air and the rest of his crew is chasing him down pit row. This man, this dude has failed to pit properly. He has pitted poorly. And there are people who pit well and people who don't. And then there are even people who neglect to pit at all. But you and I know 
Anybody who fails to pit in a race like that isn't going to make it to the end. The choice to pit or not is significant. In fact, I want to I show you the last 60 seconds of a race. It's a race where the choice to pit or not determines the outcome. And right before this clip starts, they had three laps to go. There was a crash. And as a result, the pace car came out on the track, which put all the cars in order behind. Nobody's allowed to change position or leave the track until the track is cleared and the race starts again. So behind the pace car, one car has already ran out of fuel as the pace car then steps off and comes off the track. I want you to watch what happens, though, in the remaining 60 seconds of this particular race. Take a look. Pace car pulls off. All right, here we go. It's Bush, Menard, then Stenhouse, Annette, Blaney, Logano. That is your top six. And Menard is out of fuel. And another car, Blaney, is slowing. Yeah, that's because Michael Annette had to jump to the right. Got up into Blaney. And if Menard can't get off the track, we might have another caution flag. He is drifting towards pit out. Ricky Stenhouse sitting in a pretty good position to maybe win this race after being two laps down. Stenhouse in second. Remember when Stenhouse passed Kyle Layton a race just a few races ago? Uh, one more. But that's Joey Logano, Logano right behind Stenhouse. Well, he let him do that. 33 got off the track. This race is going to go to conclusion now. Does Kyle Busch break the streak and get his first win in his own car? He's shaking the car left and right. Trying to make sure he has fuel. Stenhouse sitting in second now, place. Running out. He's running low, and it's not going to happen. He's running out of fuel. Ricky Stenhouse is going to win. Unbelievable. Did you see that? The number six car won because the number 54 car ran out of fuel. Five seconds before victory. Five seconds. There's nothing you can do in five seconds. There's nothing left to be done. That deal was sealed at the last pit stop, at the last choice not to pit, the inability to pit. By five seconds, lost victory, ran out of fuel, flamed out. Look, we, we know that pitting is essential to staying in the race. But even when we know that, we can be like the number 54 car and not do it when we need to. And it has huge implications in life. See, fueling is essential in racing. you got to step out in order to be able to step up and have enough fuel. Fueling is essential for running the engine, keeping the fire lit. It's key. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever wondered what kind of gas mileage these cars get at speed. You ever wonder what the MPG is for a, a NASCAR series car at race speed? Just shout it out. Bendorf, Kiwan, you got to shout out to What do you think it is? What mile per gallon they get? Two to five miles per gallon. Not, not two to two, two, five, or two, five, two miles to five miles per gallon. That is not good mileage, my friends. We do not want that kind of gas mileage driving around town. Just saying, it is not good. But listen, fuel in racing is important. It's the difference between staying in the race or not. It, it's, we got to step out in order to step up in racing. It's the only way that we can actually run the race of life in a sustainable manner is making that time to pause, figuring out when to speed up, when to slow down, and when to stop. 
Stepping up requires stepping out. Knowing when to celebrate, when to break, but then when to pit is key. In Leviticus chapter 6, God gives some instructions to the priests, and we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, but I want to look back again. He says, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. This, these instructions were instructions for a daily pit stop for the priests. They had to bring the fuel to keep the fire lit so that, so that God would be honored and worshiped the way he wanted to be worshiped. They had to do that to stay in the race. It was a daily pit stop reminder. And for us today, it's a reminder of the importance for us to create the space for pit stops. To keep the fire lit in our own lives, in our relationship with God. That daily pit stop is essential. And for us today, a life that doesn't flow out of a deep rootedness in Jesus, that doesn't know how to step out, or doesn't know how to pause to keep the fire lit, will always flame out. Always flame out. And the harder we run, the more often and sooner we need to pit. Stepping up requires stepping out. I want to take a look at a real-life example of this, and this is found in Luke chapter 10. So if you've got a Bible, I invite you to go ahead and turn to it. If not, scriptures will be on the screen. They're also in your note guide. But we're picking up the storyline of Jesus and his disciples at a point where they were on their way to Jerusalem, but they stop at the house of a friend. And in this interaction, we see the importance of stepping out in order to step up, but also the importance of the pit stop reality in life. So let's take a look, starting at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to them. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You may be familiar with this moment and know these ladies. You may understand that these two sisters had a brother named Lazarus. And these three siblings were very dear friends of Jesus. They lived in a town called Bethany, which was just shy of two miles away from Jerusalem. And it actually makes a lot of sense that Martha would want to make sure the preparations were ready and everything was perfect for Jesus' visit. And you and I, we even do that today. Whenever we have any guests coming over, we take time to prepare. We want things to be right. But there was a problem. You see, Mary, excuse me, Martha was, was working hard, but, but Mary was sitting. And that was a problem for Martha. She even says so. But Martha's problem wasn't Mary. Martha's problem was Martha. See, Martha had become distracted in the busyness. She had become distracted from Jesus. In the busyness of the moment, she became distracted from Jesus and didn't pit when she should have pitted. Now, Mary, Martha didn't do anything wrong in doing some hard work to, for Jesus and, and the preparations. That's actually good stuff. But she got distracted in that process. She didn't pit with Jesus when she should have. And that's always a problem always a problem. 
Because one of the things we have to understand about Jesus is that he prioritizes being with over doing for. Jesus prioritizes being with over doing for. He prefers with over for. Mary wasn't lazy in this moment. It's likely she had done some preparation beforehand, but she also took the time to sit with Jesus at his feet. And that was a common posture for people to sit at the feet of their rabbi and receive instruction. It actually communicated some very specific things. It communicated a willingness and a readiness to obey, to receive what they had to say. Uh, It communicated submission to the rabbi. It, it, It communicated faith in who the rabbi was, as well as love. And it is a real life pitting example. It's real life pitting, pausing and stopping and sitting at the feet of Jesus, because Jesus prioritizes with over for. And if we live life in a way where we run at full speed, Without pausing, without slowing, it is always problematic. For a good portion of my early walk with God, I deeply committed to that journey and deeply committed to Him. I actually developed a posture, though, of trying to do things for Him more than actually spending time with Him. It wasn't intentional to neglect being with. It was my desire to to please Him. It was my desire to honor Him that I found myself running ahead trying to do things for Him rather than prioritizing time with Him. But Jesus always prefers being with over doing for. God wanted me to walk beside Him, joining Him in the work that He was doing, not running ahead of Him, trying to get things done for Him, and waving back at Him, hoping He's proud of me. He, He prefers with over for. Maybe we can think about it this way, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna need some help, and Brother William, I'm gonna ask you to help me. So I just want you to come on up here and just stand right about here in this spot. And if we were gonna have a conversation today, just you and I were gonna talk, how helpful is it for me if I try to have that conversation while I'm doing this? I'm actually just kind of running around, just moving my plate, right? just, just running the whole time. Is that helpful for you in that conversation? No. Okay, it's probably not. But if I put my arm around you and we begin to walk, this is significantly better. We can actually connect a little bit. Conversation changes, gets more significant. And then if we were to actually turn and each take a seat here on the platform and sit together, this is dramatically different. Everything changes about the environment. There's a connection that takes place and intimacy begins to be built as we go deep. Running is not the same as walking, and walking is not the same as sitting. And Jesus prefers being with over, be, over doing for. There's time and place for running, and there's time and place for walking. But sitting provides the unique connection that allows us to be filled and stay in the race. Thanks, brother, for letting me pull you up to help. Give him a hand for me. It was earlier in the series that we identified that intimacy is built at the speed of a walk, not a race. And, and there is a time to run, there's a time to walk, but the only way we can actually run the race of life in a sustainable manner is to know the difference, to know how to pit, how to be with Jesus in a life that doesn't flow out of a deep rootedness in him and our identity in him will always flame out. Jesus talked about it this way in John 15. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, whoever sits with me, whoever takes a pit stop with me, and I in him, it is 
He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Without taking the time to sit, without the pit stop reality, we do not have it in us to stay in the race. There is a time to run, there's a time to walk, but it's in the space of sitting, when we are with him, that begins to define the race overall. And Jesus prioritizes being with over doing for. Anything that we accomplish without Jesus is suspect. Everything we do without him on our own is less. Because a life that doesn't flow out of our identity in Christ will flame out. You know, when I was in high school, which wasn't that long ago, now it's like 30-some years ago, somebody gave me a bookmark, and it was titled A Letter from a Friend, and it was, it was somebody wrote a letter as if Jesus was writing a letter to me. And so it was a letter from Jesus, and I have since long lost that bookmark. But I found the words that were on it, and I would like to read them to you today and just invite you to sit back and listen because it begins to put some new depth to the conversation we're having and the concepts we're talking through, especially about being with more than doing for. Dear friend, I just had to write to tell you how much I love you and care for you. Yesterday, I saw you walking and laughing with your friends. I hoped that soon you'd want me to walk along with you, too. So I painted you a sunset to close your day and whispered a cool breeze to refresh you. I waited. You never called. I just kept on loving you. As I watched you fall asleep last night, I wanted to touch you. I, I spilled moonlight onto your face, trickling down your cheeks as so many tears have. You didn't even think of me. I wanted so much to comfort you. The next day, I exploded a brilliant sunrise into a glorious morning for you, but you woke up late and rushed off to work, and you didn't even notice. My sky became cloudy, and my tears were the rain. I love you. Oh, if you'd only listen, I really love you. I try to say it in the quiet of the green meadow and in the blue sky. The wind whispers my love through the treetops and spills it into the vibrant colors of the flowers. I shout it to you in the thunder of the great waterfalls, and composed love songs for birds to sing for you. I warm you with the clothing of my sunshine and perfume the air with nature's sweet scent. My love for you is deeper than the ocean and greater than any need in your heart. If you'd only realize how I care, I died just for you. My dad sends his love. I want you to meet him. He cares too. Fathers are just that way. So please call me soon. No matter how long it takes, I'll wait because I love you, your friend, Jesus. That's a pretty powerful way to begin to think about how Jesus prioritizes being with over doing for. He prefers with over for. So let me ask you at this point, what distracts you most from better things? What distracts you most from better things? Jesus said that Mary chose what was better and it wouldn't be taken from her. What distracts you from better things? What distracts you from right things? What distracts you from Jesus? Is it the opposite sex? Maybe it's sex in general. Maybe there's an addiction or a habit or a worry or a fear, or some stress in your life. What distracts you most from better things? What distracts you most from Jesus. See, when we do what God asks, he does what he promises. 
And I think it takes us back to Isaiah 30, verse 15, which I put again in your note guide just for your convenience. He said, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Stepping up requires stepping out. Staying in the race requires us to create the space to be still and to pause. Without it, we lose. We lose. Even with five seconds to go. So what do we do with this? So what? What's, how do we take what we're talking about and apply it to life? Well, we already acknowledge that intimacy is built at low speed. But hear me. Refueling happens at a stop. Intimacy is built at low speed, but refueling happens at a stop. There is not a pit crew out there that throws fuel on their team car as it passes by. You're just splashing it all over the car. That's not how it works. They fill the tank when it's stopped in the pause. No crew just throws fuel. So the reality is that there's a certain way that we're filled. And we, you and I in life, we're filled when we're stilled. We're filled when we pause. We're filled when, when we just remain in a place of rest, free from distraction and commotion and noise, and we sit in that space and we read the Bible and we, we meditate on what the Bible says and we journal and we write prayers and we worship and we, and we just pray where we listen and speak with God. Where is that space for you where you're stilled, where you're able to hear him? It's in that space that we're filled. We're filled when we're stilled, not, not running and, and not walking, but when we're, we're seated in stillness. Intimacy is built at low speed, but just like we need cooling, we need refueling, and that happens when we're still. Psalm 37 points out the importance of being still. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. In all the complexity of your life, the race of life you're facing now, and everything that is both good or bad in that dynamic, it is in the place of stillness that we're filled. When we quiet ourselves before the Lord, if we are never still, if we don't create a space to stop, we will end up empty. If we can't create the space and find the time to be still, we will not be able to discern. We won't be able to make sense of everything that's happening, happening around us. When, if we never sit still, we make it hard to continue in the race. We're filled when we're stilled. Intimacy is built at low speed, but refueling happens in the stop, in the pause. Yet many of us are running so fast through life, we can't even develop the intimacy we need to survive, let alone live into the thriving and flourishing that God has for us. Because that happens in stillness. We need stillness. We need to have the space to sit in quiet with God in the midst of the noise and complexity of the world. That's where we're filled. Scripture tells us in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. It's in stillness, to be still. One of my places to, of stillness is just prayer. And I gotta tell you, one of the most powerful pit stop investments is prayer. It's the most powerful pit stop investment we can make. In fact, next week, we're stepping into the, a conversation that we're simply calling amen. And we're going to take time to look at some great prayers in Scripture to develop understanding of how hope and power comes through connecting with God through prayer. You do not want to miss it because we're beginning to understand how we sit in stillness and how we sit in a place where we are filled when we understand how to pray, how to speak, and listen to God.
Yet even now, we're a people of God who are seeking to be a people of prayer. We've opened up the prayer levy down at the former Kone building, and it has been awesome to see the, the Heritage family just come in and out of that space and pray and hang prayers in the trees and to walk along the, the, that levy and, and to pray those prayers with you. Absolutely powerful. When the people of God become a people of prayer, man, that's how God begins to move in incredible ways. And the vision God has given us to seek the peace and prosperity of our cities requires us to lean in as a people of prayer, all of us to engage in deeper, deeper levels. But that comes when we have the ability to sit in stillness. That's why God said in Psalm 46, he said, be still and know that I am God. It's in the stillness. We're filled when we're stilled. And when he says this, you know that I'm God out of that, if we don't know God, then, then we don't walk in the confidence that he goes before us. And then we live in anxiety and uncertainty, and we, and we lack peace in that dynamic. And a, and a huge part of, of staying in the race is being able to discern the difference between being led by the Spirit and driven by the flesh. Because, quite honestly, the Spirit and flesh can want the same thing. We talked about this earlier, too. We may want to have relationships reconciled. We may want to see the kingdom advance. We may say, may, we want to see God do something new in our family so that we can thrive. The spirit and flesh may want the same thing, but the spirit does it at a pace and a speed we can sustain. And we need to know the difference between being led by the spirit and driven by the flesh. But people who don't sit still can't discern the difference between spirit and flesh. Which is why, lastly, I want to encourage each of us to run your race, but preserve a space. Run the race that God has before you. In the beauty of it, the complexity of it, the ups and downs, whatever he has in front of you, run that race in his power, him as source for you of that power with your cooling systems, but always preserve a space to pause. Running the race requires preserving that space to pit, to pause. Maybe that's an early morning thing where you just get up a little bit earlier to spend time with God. Maybe you stay up later and, and before you go to sleep, spend that time with him in stillness. I'm not talking about the multitasking space. I'm not talking about the running space or even the walking space. I'm talking about the sitting space, the stillness. For some of us, the only way we're going to be able to get that is maybe to skip a meal and use that space to sit in stillness. Maybe it's to skip a TV show Whatever it is, run the race, but preserve the space. Because we go deep when we slow down, but we actually go further when we pause, when we pit for refueling and being filled. We're, we're filled when we're stilled. You know, in, in racing, there's like eight or nine flags that they are used to communicate with drivers. One of those flags is the black flag. And whenever the black flag is displayed to a driver, it means that there's a problem and they need to immediately pit. It could be that they violated a rule, like they were speeding through pit row. It could be that there is damage on their car and now it's just unsafe for them to continue. It could mean that uh, they can't maintain the minimum safe speed, so they need to get off the track. Or it could mean they were driving too aggressively and they're being penalized. So the black flag is displayed and that driver has three laps to get off the track. If they don't get off the track in three laps, they show a black flag with a white, white stripe across it, and it means they're no longer being scored, and they're disqualified. And I know that there are some people here today and across our network who are running laps right now, and the black flag's been out, and you're about to cross that third lap and about to be disqualified. 
And you need to pit. You need to pause. You need to create the space for refilling and refitting. You just need to pause. Paul described in Romans 12 this pursuit of keeping the right rhythm. He said this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Make time to be filled. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Pit. Make time to pause. Run your race, but preserve the space to actually pause. Choose what's better in, in time management. You know, maybe for some of you, creating this space will simply be choosing not to open up Facebook and spend 15 to 30 minutes just cruising it, but to actually set that time aside to say, Lord, I'm going to be still with you instead. Maybe it's not binge-watching something on Netflix. It's, it's just creating the space, preserving the space for the stillness and for the pause where we choose what is better, where we choose Jesus. Because in this race called life, God wants to be caught not just taught. He, he, he wants to fulfill his promises when we do what he actually asks us to do. And if you're thinking, Sean, man, I, I need strength in this life, then sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. When you say, Sean, we need, we need reconciliation in relationships and we need unity, then sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. Say, well, we need revival. We, need to, we want to see the world change and our cities transformed. Then sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. Run the race, but preserve the space. There are people who pit well and people who don't. Which one will you be this week? We, we race to win, but intimacy is developed in the pits and the pauses. So have the courage to step out in order to step up. As we wrap up our Off to the Races series altogether, I want us to take a moment to make a pit stop. I'm not talking about a break. I'm talking about the pause, a place to be still, a place to, to, to refuel, to, to breathe. In fact, I want to create the space now and invite you to take whatever posture you want to take to do that. If you want to lean forward in your, in your seat and, and be in that space there, great. If you want to stand up, go for it. If you want to walk around or find a place to just lay out prostrate on the floor or you want to move forward at your campus expression to the platform, this is just an opportunity for us to pause. I want to invite you to spend the next few moments in stillness so that God can fill you. So take whatever posture you want. Maybe you want to use the scriptures in the note guide to talk with God about what he's promised and what you've been doing around those promises. But in the next few moments, I'm going to create a space of quiet. Then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to step back into worship through song. In each of those three moments is an opportunity for you to pit, to pause, to be stilled so you can be filled. So in that quiet, as I pray, and then as we step into song, use that time as you see fit, as God leads you to connect with him. Because he prioritizes being with overdoing for and this is a moment for us to do that together so i invite you right now to go ahead and move we'll get quiet together in a space and then i'll lead us in a prayer in a moment or two
Lord Jesus, we come before you now, intentionally creating a space to pause. The busyness of life, Lord, can run us ragged. The race of life can just be exhausting, and it's part of running the race. It just is, but that's also why you create space for pause, the stillness, so we can be filled. And Lord, as we, my brothers and sisters, take this time to sit in stillness with you, I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would fill. I pray that you would give wisdom. You would reveal yourself. God, that you would pour out your love in a way we not only know your presence, but we know your pleasure. And Lord, in these next few moments, even as we step into worship through song, God, I pray that you would equip us with the strength to continue in the race. You would give us what we need in wisdom and give us what we need in, in courage to honor you in every lap because we want to press on to win the prize which your son Jesus calls us heavenward for. So Lord, may you speak in these moments and may we hear as we sit in stillness.